Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to a new Redefining Technology podcast. Standing on two feet, having dexterous hands, developing a language that allows us to communicate, and the ability to understand abstract concepts. These are all part of the equation of humanity. Still, it is the capacity to create tools and advance the technology that has allowed us to thrive on this planet and maybe on others. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at crowdsec.net. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Marco. Sean. Ask me a question and I'll uh, give you an answer. Mm, are you going to give me an answer or you're going to use, I don't know, some chat <laughs> that, yeah, is going, that is going to produce the way know. that you would answer if you were going to use that? Well, I would do it in, in the voice of uh, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yeah? One curse word and, and uh, one joke. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> he had, he had uh, some technology create an ad for him with those parameters. So, so you ready mm. for the f bomb? No, I'm not going. I won't drop that right now. No, no, don't do, don't do that. Don't do that. It's <laughs> a, it's unethical. We're not going to do that. Well, now that you said f bomb, and in our preliminary chat, we talked about your history in fishing. I'm thinking, is it the fishing bomb? Is it about tuna fish? Is. Or is it about octopus? Octopi? How do you say the control? That you put in a stick. Is that the F-bomb? That's right. Octopus on a stick? Well, if it's fishing, it, it'd be the pH bomb. If you bring cybersecurity into play. But uh, mm. now we're going way mm. off, way off chat here. But uh, now, obviously, people listening are hearing a third voice that isn't uh, you or I, Marco. That's uh, Ravit Dotan. And uh, for those watching, Bye. they can actually see her. And she's been on the show before. She was on a, on a panel for the other society. Uh, it's so good to have you back, Ravi. Thank you. So good to be back. I had so much fun last time, and I'm really looking forward <laughs> to the conversation. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you know, it was the, a good conversation. It was a great conversation, and of course, I'm going to do a little plug here and and tell people to go and check the other society on ITSP Magazine and find that conversation, which was with the. Uh, 
with a bunch of uh, academic, uh, really interesting people. We went very philosophical, very ethical around uh, advanced technology. And uh, yeah, it, it, we enjoyed it so much. And there was so little time and so many topics that we decided, there you go, Sean. Uh, yeah. For the people listening to a podcast, uh, he just dropped the camera, just dropped and the people the watching are probably thinking there is an earthquake there. But anyway, <laughs> so Ravid, we we are we're happy to have you back, and we would like for you though, to introduce yourself and share with the audience of this podcast slash webcast what you're up to. Yeah, because there's something oh. new, even since the last time we spoke. Yes. I also want to add about the previous podcast that we did that we had a game that I enjoyed so much. The game was, let's try to incorporate mentions of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so now I wonder if I want to mention Wizard of Oz again or mm. should I go for something else? Um, let's. I'll put this in the background as I'm introducing myself and maybe by the end of that I'll decide. Um, okay, yeah, so my name is uh, Ravit. I, I work in the field of AI ethics. So that means working on how do we get AI technologies and really all technologies that involve big data, how do we get those technologies to work for the benefit of humanity? So that means how do we get people to create AI tools that push humanity forward where it needs to, for example, climate change. And also, how do we get people who develop these technologies, who fund them, who buy them, to do so in, in ways that mitigate unintended harms? So these tools are already notorious for um, creating discrimination, violating privacy, all of those great things. How do we get less of that that is what i want that is the goal of my career to get these technologies to to really help us as humanity and also minimize uh unfortunate side effects so because i have this cause uh the recent development since i've been here last time is that i i co-founded a lab at the university of pittsburgh there's a center called the center for governance and markets that is where I am. Um, I'm a postdoc there, founded, co-founded this lab uh, with others in the centers. And the goal is really, how do we how do we get that outcome of better, more responsible AI? And, and more specifically, we want to see how we get that outcome by improving the governance of AI systems, both in tech companies, but also supporting everyone who finance tech companies like investors, procurement, so those who buy the AI, insurance company, I think everyone needs to be aligned um, in this ecosystem. And that is um, that is my goal in, in, in my work in the lab and also generally in my career. In addition to my work in the lab, I also work in the private sector. So I work with startups, investors, all of those actors that I mentioned before, I work with them hands on to see, to see what we can do to see how we can improve. Sounds like easy peasy. Done. Too late. I will be done by next week. That's my theory. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick off with this because uh, before we start 
recording, we were talking about, hey, wh where should we focus the conversation? And we talked about pointing fingers. And when I think about pointing, pointing fingers here is a lot of people refer to technology as if technology was something or someone or an entity that can just think and you know i think they're already into the next development of of a general ai that is controlling ourself or controlling itself the truth is that right now i always feel like ai and technology in general it does what we tell them to do so i feel like what we need to change is our attitude towards what we do with technology so I think this could be a good way to start. So what does motivate you? What is the moral? What is the, you know, are you doing tech for good? Are you are you trying to sell something? Are you making money? And whatever it goes, it goes. So, I mean, it's a very technical problem that is, to me, a very human problem. What's your take on that? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Some people really untropathize AI, so they humanize it, right? So they say, oh, the AI made a bad decision. Um, and I understand where this is coming from because one thing that makes this technology different from other technologies is that the creator, the creators of this, of an AI system have less control over what happens than in other technologies. So they're not necessarily gonna be able to say why an AI system made the decision that he did, the recommendation that it did, the prediction that he did. They don't know. Um, it can make it too easy for them to avoid their responsibility because they could say, I didn't make this decision. I didn't mean for this to make this decision. It's the AI's fault. Um, and so we're pointing the finger to the AI system. We're humanizing it. Um, I think that's the wrong way to go because it is indeed people who created this AI system. It is also not a single individual. It is a company and it's even more than a company. It's the entire ecosystem around it. Someone invested money in it. Someone insured it. Someone bought it. Someone regulated or did not regulate it <laughs> or someone enforced or did not enforce laws that have to do with it. And so it's a collective responsibility. Well, let's talk about Train that. Train it. Uh, in a certain <laughs> way. Right? Train it. Yes. Because often what happens is that the, the, the tech company that develops the AI system, it's not like they did everything from scratch. Some things they did from scratch, but some things they took off the shelf, right? So they don't even know necessarily what went into the training. And that can also be a factor that people use to... To shroud responsibility. Oh boy! Well, I was gonna say let, let's talk about the the ecosystem a bit, but now I'm just thinking maybe a different tack to start or to keep going from here is what it's used for. Because you kind of kind of gave a few examples um, at a high level. We we spoke to some companies earlier that are very purpose built for specific things, and they're leveraging. Uh, algorithms, right? AI <laughs> to help them achieve a certain outcome. And many of those can help solve individual problems for humans and society. Um, and then there's the grand, more general AI, 
where I want to build something that can do a lot of things for a lot of reasons for a lot of people. Um, and to me, that scale, which I think we're getting close to it being possible to have the scale, um, gives us less control, right, as well. So what what are your thoughts on the purpose-built versus general-built AI? And, and are there differences in, in how we govern? Because I know eventually we want to talk about how governance here. Okay, so let me see if I understand the question. So some sometimes we build AI for a specific task. Um, I might build an AI system to sort through resumes. That is a specific goal. Um, but other times we build AI systems for more generic purposes, such as a chatbot. Um, I can chat about it. I, I can chat with it about many things. Um, maybe about sorting resumes, maybe about something else. And I think you're asking, tell me if I'm understanding you correctly, you're asking, is there a difference in our, should there be a difference in our expectations of governance when developing this or that system? Yes. Yeah. Does the, does the risk level to humanity <laughs> change and does that change how we need to define and, and then uh, manage its development? Okay. Um, yeah, so now we have uh, another interesting question. Is the risk level different? And should the governance be different? Right? Um, I think, so this is a question I need to think more about. But my knee-jerk reaction is the governance, the principles of governance should be the same. Um, almost no matter what the risk level is, because a part of the job of the governance when it's good governance is to monitor the risks and always think about what are the appropriate measures for that risk level. So in a way, in a very high level way, it's always the same. Um, and the way that I think of governance, there are three elements that I'm wanting to see in good governance of AI systems, no matter what kind of AI system it is, whether it's generic or specific. And these three, three factors are, one is knowledge. I'm expecting the company to have knowledge about AI ethics and um, be curious and always learning about the kinds of risks that its technology poses. I'm expecting the company to consult diverse stakeholders about those risks. And I'm expecting the company to educate its employees. Now, the form in which that might happen may be different. Um, and the difference will depend on many things. The risk will be one of them but they will have to find out what the risk is. So that's a part of knowledge. The second, the second pillar is workflow. It's great that the company knows stuff <laughs> about the risks that its AI poses, but what is it doing about it? So I'm expecting, here are three things that I'm expecting from companies. Have a plan, <laughs> have a strategy, and have measures, and have standards, things that you're gonna measure and you're gonna commit yourself to. Also, have some sort of processes that you do in your day-to-day -day work to, to, to make sure that you meet those goals that you set your, for yourself. And last, have incentives. <laughs> um, if employees are, if their, their KPIs or goals are about other things, they will never get to this work. Um, and again, these are things that companies should do regardless of what kind of AI is developing. And then the third thing is oversight. What does the company do to keep itself accountable? 
Is it reporting internally about analytics progress? Is it reporting externally? Is it having external audits? And so to me, when I look at my expectations of a tech company, these are the, the expectations are around these pillars. Now, the question about the risks will kind of, it will go into that, right? Because a company will have to figure out, given the technology that it is developing, what should it be doing? And so whether it's generic or specific is just one aspect of it. Other aspects are, even if it's specific, what is it doing? Is it um, a healthcare thing? Like, is it is it something to assist in brain surgery, for example? That is very high risk. Um, and so I wouldn't necessarily divide the risk levels based on whether it's generic or specific. Um, the risk level assessment would need to be more sensitive to the particularities of the case. Interesting. And, and Marco, you and I, we, we've had many conversations around risk and, and cybersecurity and, and perhaps even privacy. And we often look at the automobile industry for, for some insight into how we may have overcome some of these challenges in the past. And I don't know, a car can, can only be built to go so fast, right? But uh, they, they continue to push the envelope there, yet most roads, it's 50, 60 miles an hour, 80, 100, 120 kilometers an hour, that you can't, you can't go beyond that anyway. Even the car can do two or three or four times fast, but faster than that. And then also in the vehicle spaces are motorcycles, right? Um, similar technology, different format, similar purpose, um, but built in a different way. And I guess what I'm... So I'm just looking at different systems built different way using using different parts for different outcomes. Um, they are all kind of governed still by the automotive industry, right? They have to meet certain emissions. They have to the users have to buy by certain rules and laws. Um, I don't see belts as the the example we often refer to uh, when we talk about cars and and, and this type of thing. So. I don't know, it's an observation. I'm just wondering, are there are there areas like that that we can draw upon or have drawn upon for AI as a technology to say, you know, we've done this before. Why are we reinventing the governance wheel here? <laughs> just because we can, like everything else with technology? Yeah, that's a fantastic question because there's a tendency to reinvent the wheel with AI. And there are some questions that come up, and it's as if they're totally new questions. Uh, but actually, we've dealt with these questions before, starting with questions about governance. People are asking questions about AI governance, but sometimes they ask them as if we have never needed to govern tech before. <laughs> um, so one thing that I've been doing, there is this field called responsible innovation. It is an academic field of research. So I actually started by looking at what is going on in that field. What do we already know about governing technology responsibly? Um, unfortunately, there isn't a lot. <laughs> it's also an emerging field. Um, when I think of comparisons, one area that I think is helpful is actually sustainability. Um, I forget if we talked about it in our pre-conversation before we recorded or after, but um, climate change is also something that we are dealing with as a society. Um, companies impact climate change a lot. And we're dealing with this question of 
how do we motivate companies to do better in terms of sustainability? And I think that that is something to learn from because in research, in recent years, we, we see more and more awareness and companies at least claiming to try to do things. And I, we can criticize how successful it is, but we see that this, this is a movement now. And the question is, how can we, how can we learn from that? So that, that is one side for comparisons for me, the sustainability movement and also the DEI movement, the diversity, equity and inclusivity. How did that happen? How can we have awareness for this now? What can we learn to apply to to the field of AI? Um, another another area to learn from. I actually also think of the of the vehicle industry, but in a slightly different angle. You know, going back to the theme of people shrugging responsibility in AI because they feel it's not my fault. I didn't do it. Um, that is also not something new, <laughs> that when something goes wrong, every person in the chain wants to say, it's not me, someone else's fault. Um, so when a car crashes into a tree, uh, <laughs> um, it could be very easy for the, um, for the company to say, that's not actually our fault, it's the driver. It's a driver who ran into a tree, so don't blame us. Um, I think there's some analogy to companies saying about an AI system, we didn't make this discriminatory decision, it's the AI. The AI drove us into a tree. Um, and we can learn from this tree example to see why that is shrugging responsibility. Um, because even though the, the car engineer wasn't in the car during the crash, if the reason for the crash was that they didn't check the brakes, then it is the company's fault, even if they are not the ones who are driving the car at the moment. So even if there was another entity who was the more immediate cause of the crash, they had the responsibility as the manufacturer to do something in the background to prevent that, or at least to mitigate the harm. If they didn't install um, safety belts, that is also their fault. Um, and so another place where I learned from um, the past and past technologies is where we do put responsibility on companies for actions, for consequences that do not seem like they are the direct outcome of something that an engineer in that company did. So, okay, we're going in a lot of places, but all I can think is, we have a human a human problem more than a technology problem so i'm going to go back to that like it's a very philosophical issue like let's just try to define you know ethics it's like doing things following a moral behavior yeah and the morality is to do the right thing but what is the right thing for me or the right thing for you what the, the cultural influence that come into that i mean we all assume we're all like driven by the same good and evil right but in the end of the day when it comes to especially a company we are defending a market we're defending money we're defending profit we're trying to make profit so what what is the drives what and the reason i keep bringing this is because i think that we need to agree to what does it mean for technology to be ethical? To me, it means that it improve our 
human condition, either by you know helping with med in the medical field, helping to people not getting killed in the road, uh, or you know if we're going to go to the car uh, example or the street or the motorcycle, but also the environment because ultimately it's going to kill us. So is it about preservation? Is it about improving our life? And so if we could just follow those basic principle and we all can agree at least on i don't know two three four five of those then in my opinion that the decision could be applied to the way that ai should behave it should behave like a responsible human being okay there are many interesting issues to address here um so my background is philosophy like i know that's why i went there yeah if there's one thing that i know is that uh, we do not know, <laughs> we do not have a universal agreement on what is ethical. Yep. I don't expect us to have that anytime soon. <laughs> um, and so we, but we feel like we want to have this answer because we we want we, we want to somehow say what is okay and what is not okay with these AI systems, and and that I think drives us to say, but what are the ethical rules? I think that is a less helpful way to go pragmatically because we do not have a universal ethical theory. These are not only these are political questions, social questions. We are going to have diversity of thought. So this is not about relativism or absolutism. Maybe there is an absolute moral truth. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything about that. But like even but even if there is a universal moral truth, we don't know what it is. Um, or at least um, maybe different people think different things about what it is. And, and, and that, is, that is the situation that we're at. That is the situation that, with, with, that we're at with companies generally. We have many issues, ethical issues, that we would want the companies to address. Um, what happens pragmatically is that companies decide on their own values. And uh, sometimes they tell us what their values are. And in the good case scenarios, they, they act to realize those values that they've decided for themselves. In a way, it's how individuals do it. I, I have my values. I uh, try to act on them. Sometimes it's difficult. Um, we talked about being about vegetarianism. Um, some people are vegan. Some people are vegetarian. Some people eat meat. Um, to an extent, we, we're open to different perspectives. It's, it's okay. But we expect people to say, or companies to say, what their policies are, to have some kind of policies that we would accept within the bounds of law. Um, as consumers, we can also decide not to buy from a certain company if it is misaligned with our values. And so what I'm driving at is that, to me, when I think about... AI systems and, and ethics in the workplace, what I want from companies is not necessarily to align with my own ethics, um, but rather to have transparency about what their values are and then act to abide by those values. And, and it sounds maybe trivial, but it is not because what we see often in the AI space is that companies are just not even thinking about it. And that is the real problem to just release some solution onto the world, a really powerful tool that can have severe unintended consequences and not even stop to think, what will this do? What is the safety belt 
that I need to install. So the conversation is not even do they rely on the right values or not, but the conversation is are they even thinking about this? Are they doing anything to stop unintended harm? That is where we're at. And I think because it's so, in a way, behind, <laughs> we're not even there yet at like what is, you know, to, I don't want to say split hairs, but like to have this debate on what is ethical or not, because we're not, the companies are not even stopping to think about the consequences and how to stop them. All right, so Sean, let me add something, then you then you go, because I'm thinking, um, I, I like that idea that you're giving us. At least let's put it out there. Let's right, let's put what our values are, and then you can align with my value or not. And that could go even deeper into philosophical conversation, like freedom. What what the hell is that? Freedom to do what? <laughs> Until I arm someone else, I have the freedom to do what I want. Blah blah blah. So. To bring back the example of technology, and I'm going to connect it to the car again because this was a conversation we had many years ago, uh, Sean, on 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 a podcast. One of our first where, ones. Yeah, where you know you you ran that uh, I don't remember the sociological um, uh, experiment, but the car needs to decide, or the driver needs to decide what who is going to kill. Is it going to kill himself to avoid to kill? somebody when he cannot uh, break on a, on a cross uh, street. And does it kill yourself? Does it kill an old person? Does it kill like a mom with uh, two kids in the, uh, in the carrier? Or, you know, there is an ethical decision there. And I remember the question was like, who made that decision in what the car would do if it's driving itself, right? And I remember somebody said, well, if I buy the car, I want a car that protects me. So if, if Mercedes or another brand comes and say, I'm going to protect the driver no matter what, some people are going to buy that car. Some other may be like, no, I want to protect other people's life. And maybe another car decide that. So in a way, we do agree that there are different value and we respect that and we choose what we want. So we're never going to really apply a, a regulation where we all going to agree. I'll, I, I want to give another example. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I agree with what you said. I want to give another example that could help, I think, uh, crystallize the point. When we think about equality, right? We, we think about equality. We, we say we want an AI system to be fair. There's a question of, what does that mean? <laughs> um, there are many open questions about that. So which groups count? Um, which groups count more? Uh, do we want to be equally fair to all of them? Like what, what does that mean in practice? Um, recently, I read a really good paper about discrimination in mortgage loans that I want to use to illustrate. Uh, mortgage loans are really important because the ability to buy a house is super, super important for social mobility. Uh, I live in the U.S. In the U.S., there is a sad history of discriminating against Black people when it comes to purchasing houses. Uh, in the past, they were just not allowed <laughs> um, to buy some houses, which was terrible. Um, today, they are allowed to buy houses. However, um, there's discrimination against them. To buy a house today, a lot of people, most people probably 
need to get a mortgage loan. If they cannot get that mortgage loan, they cannot buy the house, which leads to practically being prevented from buying the house. In this study, what they did, they wanted to see how AI impacts loan approvals in terms of minorities, especially black people. And so they started with, I can send you the link later. I don't remember the name of the authors. Um, so they started with, let's go to the historical data about loans because loan applications, they have to be reported. And let's identify discrimination there. And they found a very sad reality that uh, black people are 54% less likely to get their loan approved. That is just a situation right now in the US. They are more discriminated than any other minority, than any other group. And so then the authors of the paper said, great. So this is, or not great, terrible, but this is the situation that we are now. Okay, now let's take an AI system, a generic loan decision AI system and run it on the same data. Let's see what kind of discrimination we get. The result is that it's much worse. So now black people were 67% less likely to get their loan approved. And so if you imagine a company that, uh, you know, a loan company, um, and now they want to they become more efficient. So they decide, oh, let's get this AI system. Um, and they apply it without thinking. They just apply this AI system because if they want to save money, whatever. You're just going to get much worse discrimination. And so the question of responsibility is when you buy this AI system and you decide to use it, sit down and think about the possible negative implications of doing so. Some of the questions that we touched on earlier when we talked about ethics is, but what are the desired outcomes? Which groups in the population we would like to equalize? So do we care about black people and also Hispanic people and also indigenous people and also European people? Who are the groups that we're going to pay attention to? And uh, what are the thresholds? So do we want equal approval rates for everyone? Do we want equal loan amounts for everyone? These are the complexities that the company needs to think about. And that is where the values are going to come into the surface. You're going to need to decide what do we mean by fairness? Who do we care about? What aspects do we, do we care about? But that is a question that comes after First of all, realizing you have chosen to use AI. Now you have this responsibility to sit down and make some difficult decisions. And so that's the, that's the distinction I'm making that the, the, the difficult ethical decisions come after realizing that you have this responsibility. And some variation is inevitable in how we're gonna answer those questions, which populations count. It's a political question. Um, but the thing that we should not, um, compromise on is expecting companies to ask those questions and make those difficult choices and be transparent about them. Yeah. No, yeah. Possibly, well, certainly political, but I, perhaps even more economical. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking, unless you're a nonprofit and even perhaps even nonprofits across <laughs> the line to <laughs> care only about how much money they can get to do whatever they're doing. I, I find it hard to believe that any company is going to have any, any uh, attribute or or goal that is above making money so they can stay in business and make more money. 
underneath that, they may have some altruistic uh, motives and, and things like that. So I, I put that out there first. And then, and then even if, even if second is to be moral and ethical and have a good view for, for society and humanity, um, let's just take the food industry, right? The, the, we don't know what's in food. We have some labels for some things, right? Uh, and medications and I don't know that it gets very hard. It's very hard to get a view into what's in the stuff that we're consuming. And obviously regulation has come in. They put labels on, on food products to give us some insight there. We don't have, we've talked about this before, Marco, in, in the context of IOT, what's in our IOT networks and, and devices. Uh, now we're talking software and AI, same, same thing here. So even just the statement that says we want to drive equal response in the decisions that this AI is making in this instance for loans, in this instance for job hiring, in this instance for uh, school admissions, whatever it is, right? Letting letting a group or a group in or a group out. It, I don't know. I don't know that we're going to have visibility into that unless somebody audits. <laughs> so I guess what I... I want to go back to, and in the example you mentioned, I, I presume that technology was built by someone as a, perhaps as a service that's used by other loan companies that then offer loans, and then they, those loans probably get sold. <laughs> so there's an <laughs> yeah. ecosystem here. And of course, yeah. we can't forget the, the people using it, applying for the loans. Um, and so there's an ecosystem there of who, how and where does governance take place? So I know at the beginning I want to talk about kind of the, the, the flow of governance. So where, where does it fit in and, and how, how do we kind of keep an eye on this stuff if we can't see it? Excellent question. I'm hearing three topics that I want to address. Um, incentives. It's one of the topics you talked about. Uh, in the business world, I hear that people care about money. It's a rumor that I've heard. Um and uh, there's this perception that companies are not going to want to think about responsibility because it is in tension with their profits. Um, and so that's why they're not going to be incentivized to do this. Um, I'll start there and then I'll get to where the governance happens and the role of various actors in the ecosystem because I, for me, I really focus on this incentives the, the incentive question and, and, and how it brings different stakeholders together in an ecosystem. Okay, so I think responsibility sometimes conflicts with profitability, but not always. And that is a point that is important to understand that developing AI responsibly can actually be a competitive advantage for a company. I'll just mention five reasons briefly and then we can get into them later, but I'll just mention them briefly. Um, let's start with compliance. Um, we already have a lot of laws that AI is subject to, and um, they're not enforced as much as they could be, but I think it's just a matter of time. And we also have laws that are coming specifically to AI. We don't have too many of them yet, but it's increasing. And again, it's just a matter of time. So if a company is not prepared for that, um, it's just going to cost it more money to prepare for it later. So compliance is, is one thing. And of course, um, when I say prepare, also pay for lawsuits, which already is happening. 
A second really obvious thing is reputation. Um, it does really matter. Uh, like first of all, no one wants their names in the news with some AI scandal, but also it impacts adoption of the product because people are more inclined to purchase more, be more loyal to brands that are ethical. It also reputation influences talent acquisition, which is especially important to startups because sometimes they feel that they're not able to be, they can't offer the same salaries. So sometimes they have trouble attracting talent. We, we have enough statistics showing that the um, ethical perception of the leadership really matters for talent. And then I'll also, I'll also mention the quality of the product. Developing AI responsibly can be really helpful for having a better product, for example, if you think about fairness, what does that mean? Typically, it would mean that your product is going to, you want the product to work equally well for more user profiles. What do you have? A better product that works for more people. Or if you're thinking about transparency and explainability and those kind of things, it gives the company more information about its own product, a better understanding of what its own product is doing. So now it can improve the product. Having said all of that, sometimes responsibility does conflict with profit. And um, yeah, we do have to make difficult decisions, which brings us to incentives in, in the ecosystem. Some of the low hanging fruits are companies and investors who already realize that sometimes we do have to make these difficult choices and that's what we're gonna do. So I'm thinking especially of the ESG movement. So those for those who are not familiar, ESG is acronym for environmental, social, and governance. So today we have a lot of companies and investors who think that, yes, we do want to make profit, but also we don't want to destroy the world. And so we're looking for that balance. So since we already have this group that accepts that profit should be made, but with minimizing harm, we already have that. It's only a question of let's now also add AI. If you're going to do ESG, fantastic keep that going, but also think about AI in that context. Another really important group that we have is called, it's a smaller group, but it's called impact investors. They, in a way, go the extra mile. They say, not only do we want to minimize harm, we also want to have positive social impact. We do want to make this profit, yes, but alongside the financial returns. And so when I'm thinking of the tech ecosystem, some actors, they are, they're going to do what they're going to do. We're not going to able, be able to reach them at this point, but that is okay because there are many others who are willing to make those difficult choices when it comes to other things such as sustainability. So that's where, that's one of the places where I'm learning from sustainability because the ESG movement, um, diversity and inclusion, climate, these are things that are already highlighted. So let the, let just add them back to this question of where does governance sit and how the different players in the ecosystem play together here's an ideal situation how i would like things to work um, it starts with a tech company tech company is looking for an investor tech company is uh, developing an ai investor is asking the tech company as a part of the due diligence so when the investor is deciding whether to invest in the company. The investor is also evaluating the responsibility of the governance in that tech company. 
So the investor is asking about what does the company even know about AIFX? Uh, what does it actually do? And uh, what kind of accountability structures does it, does it have? So the investor diagnoses where things stand. It, the investor uses that information to inform the invest in, investment decision. Maybe it's so bad that the investor says no. And now the company, and, he, and they say to the company, actually, you're too much of a risk. We evaluated your governance in AI. We also evaluated the risk of your uh, technology. The gap is too big. It's risky and you're doing nothing about it. So you're not going to invest. What does the company learn? You need to shape up when it comes to responsible AI. Now, suppose that the investor does choose to invest in the company. Now they can help the company grow. They can set goals for the company. They can ask the company to report on its progress. They can uh, introduce advisors to the company, just like the investor would do with other things like uh, marketing, like finance, do it with ethics as well. And so the governance sits, you know, it's, it's the responsibility of the company to figure out how to govern its technology, but the investor can really help from the outside. Same goes for those who buy the AI, right? If you have a company that wants to sell the product and as a customer, you're saying, you're asking questions, just ask questions. Where does your data come from? Um, what do you do for fairness? And if you're not satisfied by the answers, you can either say, actually, that's not good enough. Or you can say, I will only buy from you if you improve on, say, privacy, fairness, yada, yada. So then again, it's the responsibility of the company. The governance is in the company. But a part of the incentive, it comes from the outside. Same goes for the insurance company. So that's uh, a slightly long answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. We could probably do a whole episode on that itself. but. I think we're getting close to call it off, but it's like I don't want to because I've, I still have to quote the Wizard of Oz. I know. I was just thinking right, that. I, I'll do Wizard of Oz. <laughs> we'll, we'll find a way, but also a lot of a lot is of that, aspects. Is it the way? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that that's a, a lot of ethics in there too. I think, but yeah. and the technology of the wizard. Uh, no, I mean, th th this is a never-ending conversation, and I, I think there's a lot of uh, valuable points to make people think. Um, you know, one of the things that you just said, I think it's really important. And, and on the bottom line, I think we cannot always think about it is either perfection or is nothing, because otherwise we're not going to do it. So at a minimum to evaluate the fact that I'm a, I'm a big fan of you know tech for good. You make money or company for, for good. Make money, do the right thing. Okay, it's a good balance. And I think, as you say, investors, they come in with that mindset, they can really help. And, and with that in mind, we can look to a, a lot of things that, that will be more specific for each different industry because uh, to connect with, Sean's question about the general vision of versus the applied or versus do we stop, do we use AI to do research, but not to actually make a decision? That will be another, another good thing to do, like give us all the tools, but then humans are going to make the decision. But is it really the human less or more ethical than the AI once it's fed the right data i think it's a never-ending you know question here that 
that we have. But at the same time, I, I do think that there are certain areas, certain industry that AI, it's already making the difference. And, and we need to appreciate that. It's saving lives. It's, it's uh, searching for, you know, cancer is, is, you know, I drive my car, but I appreciate the fact that if I'm distracted, it's going to, it's going to break. <laughs> You know, I don't know if I would let her make any decision, let him make it, every decision, but helping. Yeah. That that that's that's where you know that balance can can be. Yeah. I mean, at least this is this is me hoping also to have you back soon and to keep going with this conversation because I feel like yeah. so many more places we we should go. So. Yes, like the land of Oz. Exactly. <laughs> There is not well, just one yellow brick road sticking out from under the under the house. Yeah, and uh, you know it's uh, it, that's a very simplistic way to put it. Just follow the you know the yellow brick road. But there are so many different yellow brick road here that we can yeah. take. And yeah. it's not just one ending. Exactly, not just one ending. That's for sure. Well. I think we need to we need to commit to a, a follow up conversation if you're up for that. I would uh, absolutely love to. Yeah, and maybe we 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 I pick would. a more specific industry and we look at the, the we dissect uh, that that one. I know we went into the cars, we went into a few other areas, but uh, so yeah. so much more too. Yeah, to and explore. I that is my approach also um, in my work. I like to focus on specific sectors. So two sectors that I focused on is uh, the world of fintech. So financial services that are using AI. That's why I had this mortgage example in mind. Yes. Very um, good and then another sector that I've been focusing on is generative AI. Generative AI is like ChatGPT or DALI. So it's AI that generates content such as texts, images, um, and also manipulates content. And there are both of those industries have fascinating questions. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. throughout this whole thing, I, I think, Marco, at one point you said good and evil. And I don't know. I don't even know if it's that uh, black and white or one and zero. Right? If it's not good, does it make it evil? If it's not evil, does that make it good? Because um, to me, it's, it's an advantage or disadvantage. And who's using it against whom? That's to me. That's the question I have. Yeah, or even I think a lot of it is really about these unintended consequences because most people, the vast majority of people, do not go to work every day and saying, "Today I'm going to discriminate a little bit." No one says that. <laughs> Today I look forward to coming to the office so I can violate some privacy. <laughs> it's not how it works. How it works is that no, but they want they want to get yeah get forward with with less effort and uh, yeah yeah and that is exactly to me the problem that needs to be tackled how we first of all realize that with AI the potential for harm is humongous which is why we really need to be on our toes and also. Um, there isn't as much tension between developing AI responsibly and just having a better product as, as people think. I think it's I think there are some modifications that are really not 
that big of a deal <laughs> to me. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I totally agree. So, and so uh, my brain's going. <laughs> I know. So I'm going to draw the line here and uh, invite everybody to stay tuned to catch up on that episode I mentioned on the other society that which you can find by tspmagazine.com and of course this one is going to be in redefining technology and Sean we always have so many issues say does this go is redefining technology or redefining society because the bottom line is that it's very intertwined it's a synergy of this and I'm going to close with this I mean maybe uh, make some comments if you if you agree or or disagree, maybe this whole conversation about technology and artificial intelligence and ethics is a way that we should take this opportunity, and we are, I think, to understand better our human condition. Because I think we never spoke about ethics as much as we're doing now when yeah. we look at artificial intelligence. So I agree. And, and um, as a person with a philosophy background, I think artificial this whole debate of AI is an opportunity to, for philosophers to think about how they can connect with issues that come up in the world because there's a tendency in academia to insulate, uh, to isolate, sorry. Um, and suddenly ethics is becoming a topic of conversation for a lot of people and a lot of philosophical questions are coming to the fore and um, it's really a great opportunity for philosophers to engage. And we'll leave it right there. And for yeah. people that are not philosophers to kind of think about these things. And that will yeah. be... And robots that are not philosophers. <laughs> yeah. And aliens. I mean, I can't <laughs> wait to have an alien on this podcast and see what they right. think about their ethics and, and their morality. Well, but, whatever other channels might do that. You never know. But that's... Uh, yeah, it's true. But that's uh, that's a topic for another time. So thanks, everybody. There'll be notes. And uh, Ravit, if you can share some of those resources with us, we'll put it in the notes so people can check it out. And of course, check out what you do and connect with you on social media and maybe ask a question and maybe you may have answer or maybe not. So stay yeah. tuned and please come back again. We would really yes, appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Bye, everyone. Bye. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at crowdsec.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Technology Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back 
for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.